2: Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast! podcast.
1: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locadora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. <laughs>
5: Party you're
6: listening to Fox Sports Radio
4: we are live from the Geico Outkick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance visit geico.com for a free rate quote we are live here in Atlanta Super Bowl radio row you can hear my voice I was talking a lot yesterday a little bit nervous. Got to warm it up a little bit. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Plus, Fox Sports Radio is giving away five Fire TV edition smart TVs in honor of Super Week and the big game. To enter for a chance to win, keep listening this hour as we'll be announcing the keyword for you to text. For more info and rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. We are uh, off and rolling here. We have got an absolutely loaded show. Um, we're going to talk to Charles Davis next, uh, voice of Madden, also one of the uh, lead uh, announcers for uh, Fox's NFL uh, uh television broadcasts so we're gonna have a lot of fun there and then in hour three we have just got an absolute cavalcade of guests we're going to be joined by Saquon Barkley uh, which should be uh, pretty outstanding we are going to be joined by I've got Ron Jaworski coming by we've got Thurman Thomas coming by and we've got Demarcus Ware right uh, all of those guys all in our three live. so This is a great time, by the way, to make sure that you download the podcast and subscribe. You can search out my name. You can search out OutKick. But we begin today's show with a story that will not die because Roger Goodell has not allowed it to die. Yesterday, we had the State of the League address from Roger Goodell. He talked for 45 minutes. I didn't think he shared very much info. I didn't think the questioning was that good, but he finally made some public comments about the Saints and the Rams game and in particular the bad calls that have hung over this Super Bowl so far this year because Roger Goodell hasn't just put this story to bed I still didn't think he did a particularly good job responding to these questions but we have the audio for you we'll let you judge here was Roger Goodell yesterday addressing the controversy that came out of the Rams Saints game
5: we understand the frustration of the fans. I've talked to Coach Payton, the team, the players, and whenever an officiating is part of any kind of discussion post-game, it's never a good outcome for us. But we also know our officials are human. We also know that they're officiating a game that moves very quickly and have to make snap decisions, and they're not going to get it right every time. We have worked very hard to bring technology in to try to make sure we could do whatever's possible to address those issues, but technology is not gonna solve all those issues. The game is not officiated by robots, it's not, it's not going to be, but we have to continue to go down that path. The other complication is that it was a no call. Our coaches and clubs have been very resistant, and there has not been support to date about having a replay official or somebody in New York throw a flag when there's no flag they have uh, not voted for that in the past it's something that we're going to put to the competition committee but the reality is that's been uh, at least an opposition philosophically for many clubs so
4: ultimately there's not going to be any resolution it doesn't sound like and maybe there's not going to be anything that changes at all coming out of this game which means we've still got this possibility of a major call like this disrupting who gets to play for the Super Bowl I think that's a bad result I think when you have a fundamental failure of your game, first of all, we still haven't heard anything about what's being done to this official. Is there any punishment? Is there any suspension? Is there any sort of significant consequence for his error? So far, there hasn't been a suggestion that the answer is yes at all. We don't know. On top of that, all of that was just a lot of nothing from Roger Goodell. So I I said, look, the day after that game, which has now been like 10 or 11 days ago, I came on and I said, look, if I were the commissioner of the NFL, you don't need to pay me $45 million a year. I would have immediately come out that Monday, and I would have addressed the failure in that situation, and I would have said, look, we are going to aggressively examine expanding replay. This is not complicated. We have an existing challenge policy that is in place in the NFL. How often do you see, and this drives me crazy, multi-million dollar coaches try to challenge plays that are not challengeable? Why not allow pretty much everything to be challenged in the game if it can be proven to be a 100% wrong, which is the standard that exists now, but do what you already do, which is limit the number of times you can allow a challenge flag to be thrown. That way you don't worry about the game getting too bogged down. You don't worry about a coach deciding to throw a flag on a four-yard uh, four pass interference foul in the first quarter because you wouldn't want to waste your challenge in the event you didn't win it. And it would preserve the opportunity to challenge egregious plays like this. I also think you could maintain the same standard that you have now, which is questionable plays that occur in the final two minutes of the first half and of the second half are automatically reviewed i think the nfl has gotten a lot of instant replay right i think it's been smart and intelligent about the way that it's applied it and continued to adjust those rules i don't understand why you wouldn't continue to evolve when your game itself has been challenged by a major error this seems to me to be of the utmost importance for fans out there who want to believe in the outcome of the games that they watch and even if you're not a Saints fan, even if you're in Atlanta and you're a Falcons fan and you hate the Saints, even then, I think you need to contemplate how you would respond if this happened to your team with them on the precipice of making the playoffs I'm uh, sorry making the Super Bowl in the playoffs, I think you would lose your mind. And so all the lawsuits and everything else, I think that's a bad precedent. I'm not of the opinion that you need to resolve that, that you need to bring the teams back on the field. I think all of that's crazy. And I think the precedent you would be setting is awful. But I do think that when you find a flaw in your game, if you are a proactive commissioner, you need to work to address that flaw and make things better. And I don't believe right now Roger Goodell, in his State of the Union address there, that happened yesterday here in Atlanta, did a good job setting in place parameters to allow this to ensure that this never happens again and uh, and and I just think that's a bad look I want to bring in the crew I want to get you guys opinions do you agree with me that right now it appears that nothing is going to change about the way that we do instant replay review in the NFL and that in theory that would mean the way that this game ended and I'm going to start with Danny G here in Atlanta the way this game ended is still potentially going to happen again which is what i think every nfl fan doesn't want to see happen
7: well i think our only hope is that sean payton is on the committee uh so if he gets together with the rest of the committee members and really does a hard push maybe something can happen sooner than later but you're exactly right about goodell he said nothing yesterday that he could have said 12 days ago it was really generic he seemed like he was kind of talking around things and we wanted specifics. The whole country wanted specifics. Yes. And he offered none.
4: He is really not good at fielding questions and responding. And I think partly it's because he doesn't emote in any way. Like, he, do, he seems like a robot when he answers questions. And I thought the NFL, it appeared to me, had really aggressively lined up questions that were easy for him, even though the, by far the only thing people cared about was the result there. Uh, let me go out to, uh, to L.A., uh coop, what do you think? I mean, is there any kind of uh solution here uh or do you feel like I did that they're basically just gonna leave this major gaping issue in the game that could happen again might not happen again for five years might happen next year might not happen for fifteen years, but it will happen again at some point in time I think has our l a studio gone down has a major earthquake in there? No, no, I think he was in deep thought. Yes,
8: Basi- here's here's what I think. I I know why you're saying that you don't think anything is going to happen, but I think he kind of used some some uh, I don't know weasel terminology there. He said that when they were talking about look re- uh, replaying judgment calls, he said clubs have been there's you know they've been against that to date. That was the word that stuck out in my mind to date. So I feel like this being so egregious and being such a big story, maybe when they re-look at it this offseason, it's going to be a little different than it was in in years past.
4: See, here's where I think Roger Goodell needs to be able to speak on behalf of the fan. I know he makes $45 million, but to me, he is the conduit. He should be to the owners for the fans in order to make sure that his game is is as good as it can be. I think he should have come out and endorsed the idea of expanding instant replay. Even if they don't agree with him, he could have said, look, I hear the, hear the frustration of fans. We blew this. In my opinion, we should adjust our instant replay uh, rules to try to ensure that this never happens again. And then if it doesn't happen, he's at least said, I'm in favor of it and I'm pushing as hard as I can for something like that to happen. He didn't say that. Uh, Eddie Garcia are you with me that Goodell even 11 12 days later still doesn't be able seem to be able to hit the right tone
9: absolutely and uh, I've always said this about Roger Goodell he is not a leader and I don't think he ever will be I just don't yeah. think that's in him and I think he basically deferred to the competition committee and and all but said if they want to change something then we'll look into it but Uh, He didn't offer any kind of, uh, like I said, leadership in any way, and I'm not surprised at all.
4: Yeah, and that's been my biggest criticism of Roger Goodell during his tenure at the helm of the NFL. It has been that, to me, if you're going to pay a guy $45 million a year, I want you to be proactive in avoiding disasters for my league. Don't just react to bad things that happen and try to, you know, after the dam breaks, try to stop the water from pouring over the wall try to think about the structural failures that might exist beforehand to protect the league, to protect the shield, as he likes to say it. And I just don't think he's done it. Uh, Dub, what do you think? That that press conference, anything uh, impress you at all about Goodell's performance?
10: Uh, impressive would not be the word I'm looking at. But in terms of uh, the rule committee and all that, you go back to Dez's you know, catch, no catch in 2014. That was kind of the poster child of that rule change. But it still took – three years and, and, you know, a handful more of instances for that to actually get changed. So I I wouldn't be surprised if this is similar, where it's going to take, this will be the poster child, but it's going to take a few more instances before they actually change the rule.
4: Yeah, catch-no-catch is at least a complicated thing, right? Like, you can watch, a lot of us can watch a play, and 50% of us can be like, hey, I think that's a catch. 50% of us can be like, hey, I don't think that's a catch. This, to me, every single human being, saw that this was a penalty that should have been called, and it was not. And to me, that's that's kind of the challenge. I mean, I think it's more difficult to define what a catch is than to say, hey, when every single human watching a game can tell that a penalty occurred and you don't have a system to allow that penalty to be uh, to be applied accurately, or to be fair, when you totally whiff on a penalty, like happened in the AFC Championship game with Tom Brady on the hit, To me, you should be able to have a challenge there, throw a flag, say, yeah, guys, he didn't touch him. And if you could do that one time a game, I think you hold it until it's a significant uh, time or until you know 100% that it didn't happen. Roberto, are you all in?
8: Yeah, man. Uh, Goodell's a clown. He's a bozo. He didn't say anything of substance there yesterday. But I think the competition committee, that that play was so controversial. I think that something's going to happen. They're going to do something about replay.
4: What's wild to me is – I guarantee you that he did a mock press conference many times before, right? So they they had a – I guarantee you that he practices those uh, performances and that basically any question he can be asked, he's gone over a ton of times before, and that's his answer? Like, I I, I just – I really think he does a poor job, again, of advocating on behalf of the fans and thinking in a proactive and intelligent fashion about the evolution of the game and what he needs to be in favor of. All right, we are rolling here. Up next, we're going to talk with Charles Davis. We have got loaded show coming for you all day. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're right now a little bit tired, maybe you don't have the energy that you've had before, maybe you are uh, right now dragging a little bit as you climb out of bed, listen to me in the morning across the country, wherever you may be, I'm going to tell you something that makes a difference can be M-Drive. It is a all-natural 60-day money-back guarantee uh, supplement designed, and clinically tested ingredients to help increase your energy and boost your natural T levels. M-Drive also helps increase your overall performance, including strength, stamina, endurance, vitality, and recovery. And boy, they are uh, an outstanding attribute to your day. You can find them right now at Walgreens, Walmart, Vitamin Shop, Sprouts, GNC, many other fine retail locations. But right now, if you go to mdrive4men.com, that's mdrive4men.com. You can get 20% off if you use my personalized promo code Clay, C-L-A-Y. Refind your prime
6: with mDrive. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. You check things all the time, like your email or social media,
4: but Discover asks, what about checking something as important as your credit score? Well, Discover makes it quick and easy with their credit scorecard, which is free for everyone, even if you're not a customer. See your FICO credit score and other important credit information, and once you know your score, you should check to see if your current credit card is the best fit for you. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply welcome back geico outkick studios car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price list price and invoice true car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience this is a confident show about to be joined by charles davis voice of madden and fox nfl uh, analyst but first let's go to eddie garcia find out what's shaking the world of sports
9: Let's give you a quick Geico scoreboard from the NBA. Some games to note. Nuggets over the Pelicans, 105-99. Denver now 35-15. They're one game back of Golden State with the top record in the Western Conference. Celtics over the Hornets, 126-94. Trailblazers top the Jazz, 132-105. Damian Lillard, 36 points for Portland. And the Timberwolves get by the Grizzlies, 99-97 in overtime. Carl Anthony Towns with a buzzer beater to win the game. Top 25 college basketball, six ranked teams were in action. They all won. So wins for number 10, Marquette, 12th ranked Virginia Tech, number 14, Villanova. 15th ranked Louisville number 19 LSU and number 20 Iowa State this report brought to you by True Car online car shopping can be confusing but not anymore with True Price from True Car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience we'll be back to outkick the coverage in 10 seconds but first a word from farmers
7: from a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride we've covered it talk to farmers we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two
5: we
6: are farmers bum 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 bum
11: Underwritten by farmers, truck, fire insurance, exchanges, and affiliates. Products not available in every state.
9: Now back to Clay Travis in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53.
4: Good stuff, as always, from Eddie Garcia there. We are live, Radio Rose, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Thursday edition, as we tick down the moments, days, until we officially play the final game of the NFL season. I believe we are joined now by charles davis at cfd 22 you can find him on social media there you can hear him on uh madden calling the games and certainly you can call hear him calling a lot of the games for fox during the nfl season uh charles what's the storyline gonna be come i don't know about 10 o'clock eastern on sunday night in your mind if you had to predict
12: did the rams actually get pressure inside on tom brady and make things uncomfortable because when we've seen him Struggle, and I'm doing the Joey Tribbiani air quotes right now. (laughs) Struggle, that's been the kind of pressure that's been in his face. I'm thinking most, most specifically the Super Bowl. Well, I should specifically the Super Bowls. Giants, getting that type of pressure on him. Seahawks until Cliff Averill's injury. Those types of plays, Donald, Sue, Brockers, if they're much more up the gut in his face, and then allow a Dante Fowler to get to him a little bit more from the outside. That's kind of the storyline I'm looking at. I I do think the running the football, you know, while cliche is important in both cases here, I think Todd Gurley bounces back and plays well in this one, but can either side establish a good running game? And the Rams, you know, defensively have not been great against the run except in the playoffs. (laughs) Playoffs have been terrific against the run. So can they keep that up against a New England team that's really showing that that's a big part of their game now with Sonny Michel? But I really think it comes down to, did they get pressure on Brady and make him uncomfortable and make him throw it 50-plus times? If so, then then, then we may have a heck of a storyline when it's all said and done.
4: One of the things that I believe is certainly true about this game is that there's not very much that can occur for Brady and Belichick that changes our opinion of them. Would you agree whether they're 6-3 and three in the Super Bowl or 5-4? and four? We really don't leave this game thinking very much different about them as the greatest quarterback and coach combo we've ever seen, or do you think the Patriots have a lot at stake here? Other than the usual, like you always want to win the Super Bowl, but if we're talking about this in 10 years, is 5-4 and four or 6-3 and three a substantial difference?
12: No, I think it's more the former than the latter, and one thing that I'll point to is, we all are kind of getting a kick out of Tom Brady, con- convincing his team, because he doesn't care about us. But he has convinced his team that they're underdogs and everyone hates us. You know, everyone thinks we- what was that he said everyone thinks we suck. Yep, he's done a masterful job of that. From the outside, we're all like, "What the heck? What are you talking about?" I mean, no one ever thinks that. But he's he would point out, and I would say accurately, "Hey, one, you didn't think that we would ever get to the Super Bowl this year." Two, most of you picked the Chargers against us, and I would be counted in that number. I'm not backing away from that now, and, and 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 just go down the line with all the different slights. Right? We've seen that viral video of Edelman in his face after this, after he threw the interception, with the motivation of "You're too old."
13: Yeah.
12: What he meant was, everyone's been telling you you're too old. Let me motivate you some more, and off they go. So. The bottom line, Clay, is definitely more the former because when you look at it 10 years from now and beyond, everyone's going to look back and say, you know something, that was a year we didn't think they'd make the Super Bowl as opposed to a year that, oh, yeah, well, we we counted the Patriots in. This was the year that they were ultimately vulnerable and wouldn't make it to the Super Bowl. And once again, all of us who thought that, you know, anyone who, who, who claimed that, Egg on their face again. The Patriots proved us wrong nine times in 18 years. In a time frame of football, Clay, that is not supposed to happen, somewhere Pete Rozelle's like, hold on a second, when I said parody, I didn't mean this. You know, by any stretch of the imagination, they beat the system. And, and, and to me, that is just phenomenal, what they've done in this era of football.
4: Do you think this is Rob Gronkowski's final game?
12: Nothing would surprise me. Absolutely nothing would surprise me. But I have to admit, Clay... That when players hint at it all the time, my ears go deaf. You know, just 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 let me know if he's at camp next year. Yeah. I, I don't I don't spend any more time on it. I really don't. And that's not a a knock. That's not a rip. That's not a, a you know me trying to be something more than whatever. But you know, after a while, look, I was raised. Listen, I'm 54 years old. I was raised during during a golden era of boxing name a champion through that time that after a big fight didn't mention he was retiring or hinting at retiring. Yeah. And how often did that stick? Almost never. Boxing, boxers come back more than anyone. But football players, you know, we're in that era now of Big Ben at the end of every year. Seems like, you know, oh, fatigue, I'm done. And you know, he's going to be at camp the next year, you know. So again, with, with, with Gronk, I can understand why he would say it. I can understand where his body is with the number of surgeries he's had, as as hard-nosed as he plays. It's something that's probably legitimate for him. But it gets discussed so often that, as I said, I don't even listen. Just tell me if he's in camp next year. And, again, that's not to denigrate it at all. It's just I don't have any time for the conversation. It's not worth it to me.
4: Do you think that there will be lasting damage to the NFL's brand from the way that the Rams-Saints game ended? In other words, by next year, obviously it's a big topic still in Atlanta as we get ready for this Super Bowl, but do you think it will still be discussed come September when things come back around? Do you think it will linger as a negative story, or do you think by next football season this thing just kind of disappears into the dustbin of history?
12: It'll be more of a footnote. But it would have gone away faster if the league had come out right after the ball game or the next day and said, "You know something? We know that there are num- numerous, you know, there were multiple other missed calls in this game, but the one everyone's talking about and the most focus is on this one. We missed the call. We apologize for the error. See you. See you next week. I'm just telling you, Clay. Every every redemption story starts with an apology or an acknowledgment. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. You, you, you do screw up at home, you tell your wife you're sorry. You messed up at work, you tell your boss you're sorry and you work hard never for never to have it happen again. That's your best opportunity towards moving forward and putting it in the background for it, take as, for it to have taken as long as it did for the league to have the public acknowledgement. And I know the league would say, hey, Davis, we called and we or, or, or Sean called us or we called him and told him right then and there that was a missed call. Yeah, that didn't help the fans. That didn't help That didn't help the people who who support the Saints. And I can tell you, forget, uh, you know, uh, empirical or anecdotally, this happened. I was in Mobile the next week for the Senior Bowl. Mobile's, what, an hour or so, a little bit more yep. than an hour away from New Orleans? That's Saints territory. Do you know how much chatter continued about it? And understandably so. If you're a Saints fan, you're very upset about it. But it's the way the chatter went. No acknowledgement. It seemed like you guys. It seemed like the league wanted the Rams to win. How could that call be missed and nothing be done about it? You know, filing a lawsuit, wanting Roger Goodell to overturn the. I mean, it went on and on. I actually had some snot nosed punk roll up on me, and yes, I used that term <laughs>
14: because,
12: because because he could not have been more rude or nasty. It's one of the few times in my life that I really thought about violence. Okay. <laughs> And, yeah. he, and he rolled up on me and said, oh, it's a cartel, and it's this, and it's that. I wanted to put my hands on this cat just because of the way he rolled up on me like he thought I did something. Where or, were you? You know, I could do this. I was, I was in a restaurant in, in Mobile.
4: And he just approached you, and he was, like, blaming you for the outcome of that game.
12: Yeah, but he, but he approached me with four other adults in the background. It's almost like they, they had a little thing like, watch me roll up on this cat and see what I do. And it had a bad air to it, you yeah. know, much, much more like it was performance theater. And I'm really mad at myself for, for actually somewhat Engaging. taking debate and, and getting upset about the whole thing. Because, you know, all the arguments are there. The problem is you can't, you can't argue with the illogical. It just doesn't yes. work. well and, and, my and life. I, right? And, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I totally get it from, from where you sit. But I'm just telling you, the bottom line is that's just one incident. But I heard it so many times, and, again, would Saints fans have been totally satisfied by, by a statement? The answer is no, but I'm just telling you they would have moved quicker past it because once you do that and acknowledge that that was a blown thing, you know what it allows the rest of us to do? Okay, that was blown. You still kicked the field goal and you were up three. Okay, that was blown, but you got to overtime. Coin flip, you had ball first and everyone's screaming and yelling about, you know, the coin flip and overtime, and look what happened, Kansas City didn't touch it. I say that's mainly because we all like Patrick Mahomes so much we wanted to see him get one more shot with the ball.
4: That's definitely true.
12: Because, Clay, in the very first game of the day, the Saints got the ball first in overtime and threw an interception and the Rams scored. And everybody flipped it around in the Kansas City-New England game that overtime's unfair, but they didn't mention it in the Saints game overtime worked the way it was intended to work. You have a defense, you have an opportunity. I, I can just tell you I'm curmudgeon that curmudgeon st- that misses sudden death. I'm one of the few. I know that, and I get it. I'm not asking for it to go back to that. But the whole idea that it's totally unfair, I would argue that all day long because I just saw it in the Saints game.
4: Last year, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles became made men forever when they won a Super Bowl, right? It changed their life forever. I don't think it really changed Brady and Belichick's life very much. If Sean McVay and Jared Goff win this Super Bowl, Jared Goff, 24 years old, Sean McVay, 33 years old, how incredible is that going to be for them, given their youth, to think about in years and years ahead? They have, to me, much more to gain, and honestly, not that much to lose, because I don't think anybody necessarily anticipated them being here this soon.
12: Yeah, that, that, that is definitely true I'll give you the contrarian view on the whole thing they win it now they better win more oh it's interesting because otherwise everything flips on them to win this young and to have that many more opportunities ahead people expect you to win more and more part of what's going on with Aaron Rodgers now is he won the one Super Bowl what's happened since then now we all know that that's not all on him duh but at the same time, when you win really young, people want to see you do it again and again and again. Otherwise, it actually changes the narrative on you, and that's not necessarily how this whole thing works. Look at the number of one-hit one wonders in, in terms of maybe even winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. Don McCafferty, the easy rider, won it with Baltimore, never even came close again, lost his job a couple years later, goes to Detroit, doesn't come close to recapturing that magic. I just keep going down the line, you know, and you look at it, Other guys, if they have disappointment early, they get redemption. John Elway, the number of Super Bowls lost. We talk now more about Elway's redemption. In Super Bowls, doesn't he still have a losing record? Yeah. Okay, but we don't talk about that because John came back and Pat Bowler, this one's for John. You know, I mean, it was phenomenal. And I'm not, again, taking that down by any peg at all. It's one of the great stories that we've had because – he went through the mill, man. They didn't just lose Super Bowls. They got pounded. Okay, so, so for him to come back and win and both of those, well, the first one was a definite upset because they'd be green bat. The second one, they were expected to win, and they did, but John was old, and he still was playing at a really high level. So it works both ways, and I hate to put that on Sean McVay and Jared Goff, but when you look at their, their youth winning it, and as you said, maybe even early, now we've got to look and see will they win more. Will, will they have more because we're going to expect them to win more because they have a lot of career out ahead of them.
4: You mentioned that you were at the Senior Bowl, and we're talking to Charles Davis at CFD 22. Right after this game, there's going to be a lot of attention shifting to the NFL draft. I'm down at the radio row. They've been promoting the fact that Nashville is going to put on a heck of a show for the NFL draft in the last weekend, I believe, in April what do you uh what did you see at the senior bowl who do you think will be some good storylines as we kind of start to turn the page towards what might happen in the draft
12: well you know we don't have an offensive lineman like quentin nelson i mean he was just so special but we have a lot of them that are pretty darn good so teams who, who who are building excuse me may not be the sexiest choices in the world But there are plenty of guys out there that are going to help you both sides of the ball that are linemen. As far as Senior Bowl quarterbacks, it's going to be a race now because I think Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, who were not eligible for the Senior Bowl, actually benefited just fine. Because Drew Locke was the best quarterback I saw there from Missouri. But I don't know if he did enough that all of a sudden we're saying, hey, he's ahead of those other guys. That's, is and, he a first-rounder
4: in your mind? Is Drew Locke I think now I, a first-rounder? I, I,
12: I think Drew Locke is a first-rounder, but I don't know that he's a first-rounder right out of the gate. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where people rate Murray. Okay, And i told people this story. I'll be real quick. I watched tape on the flight from Atlanta to Mobile with a scout in the NFL, a national scout, and he said, hey, watch this with me. So we watched for like 20 plays. Of Kyler Murray, and he looked me dead in the eye and he said, "Look, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I don't like small players." And I went, "Well, guess this conversation short then, right?" Yeah, no, no pun intended. And he said, "But I love this kid." So this Murray conversation is going to continue to be interesting, Clay, because there'll be plenty of people who love him and probably now have, how would I say it, the wherewithal and the freedom because Mayfield's been good, Drew Brees has been good, Russell Wilson's been good, to pick a smaller quarterback. And that means first round for him because of his talent. I mean, guy can throw it, move, you can, name it. But Dwayne Haskins is more your prototype of what it looks like, and I think the best quarterback on the board, if you are talking about just that set, that size, what we're used to looking at, but it'd be interesting to see how it goes because, to me, after that, that's when Locke starts to come into play.
4: Yeah, I I think that's been one of the big stories is that Drew Locke looked really good. So I'm glad uh, you kind of uh, echoed that because that's what I read the most as I tried to pay attention to what happened down there. Uh, Appreciate the time, my man. Uh, Have a good uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon.
12: You do the same. Take care of yourself now.
4: Will do. That's Charles Davis at CFD22. Go follow him on Twitter. When we come back, we'll dive into uh, what I think is still – the, the controversy surrounding uh, Roger Goodell's performance there and also ask the question do we believe in uh, Tom Brady I want to kind of start this discussion probably talk about it a little bit more tomorrow as well but is Brady actually the greatest team athlete of all time is that what is at stake here because he would equal Michael Jordan with six championships and by all time, look, I'm not talking about it going all the way back necessarily to Bill Russell or or that era. But, I mean, like, you know, the last 40 years or so, I think we'd be on a Jordan versus Brady discussion. Who is actually more impressive? We'll discuss. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox
6: Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
4: It's Travis Scott. we tried to play a lot of the people who will be performing at the uh, Super Bowl halftime performance. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. A message from Welch's Grape Juice. 100% of the profits made from Welch's Grape Juice goes to American farmers. Know what else goes to American farmers? 100% of the thrill from repeatedly crushing grapes, skins and seeds included, until all that's left is delicious juice. That's what else. The world's toughest antioxidants, welches, tough as grapes. Um, I think if, first of all, if the game goes and the Patriots go out and win, and Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. If they go on and win, I think on Monday we'll talk about whatever happens in the game, and maybe we'll start to turn the page a little bit towards Brady's legacy And the more I think about it, if the Patriots win, I think we might finally replace Michael Jordan versus LeBron James in the most overplayed, never-ending debate of who is the greatest of all time in basketball. I think we might replace that with who is the greatest team sport athlete of their generation. Because I do think that Brady and Jordan are the same generation. And I think most people out there would say, well, LeBron's out of that conversation, even though he's been to the finals a lot. If Brady wins, he's 6-3 and three in the Super Bowl. Now, I think one of the big flaws of sports arguments in general is that we hold it against somebody if they get to the championship round and they end up losing there. For instance, LeBron. If LeBron doesn't make the finals and he loses, then that story is that he, you know... That We don't talk as much about the failure there, but when you get to the big stage and you fail, I feel like we count it against you more so than we do. You know, For instance, if Brady had lost in the AFC Championship game, if he had lost uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs, his Super Bowl record would remain 5-3. and three. If he wins that game, which he did, and performs phenomenally in overtime, and then he advances to the Super Bowl and he loses that game, that's a better season, right? But he loses the Super Bowl, and so on his legacy, people will say, "Oh, well, Brady's five and four in Super Bowls." Now, I don't think that's much of an indictment because he still has won five. But being five and four in the Super Bowl is better than being five and zero in the Super Bowl, in my mind. In my mind, now some people out there are like all I care about is championships. I'd rather somebody be perfect. I'd rather Brady have gone to five Super Bowls and never lost one. But in order for that to be the case, Brady would either have had to not make the playoffs or lose a playoff game. So I think that's a little bit of an unfair way to look at it where oh, we're only going to hold championship losses against Brady. And I think it's a little bit unfair when people look at LeBron and he's whatever he is, 3-6 and in the finals in his tenure. Would they think differently if LeBron had only gone to the finals three times and he had won every time? Well, I think that's a little bit ludicrous because it's better – to be one of the final two teams and advance all the way there. Now, yes, the goal is to win, but Jordan is six and zero in the finals, and so I think that is where the debate will, uh, you know, kind of roll through. Is wh- who is better between Jordan and Brady as the greatest team sport athlete of all time? Now, some people out there are going to say, "Well, Jordan is the vastly supreme athlete." Right, Brady is at the quarterback position, not moving that much. The reason why he's going to be able to play till potentially 45 is he's just so cerebral and so good at getting the ball out of his hands, but in terms of high-level athleticism, not necessarily there. But to me, I'm going to make this argument. Some of you may disagree. We're going to talk about this next week, I'm sure, but I'm giving you a little bit of a preview. If Brady wins this game and if the Patriots win – their sixth Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I think I am going to make the argument that Brady is superior to Jordan based on being in nine Super Bowls as opposed to six NBA Finals and the fact that Brady's career has extended for so long. And I think if you look at surrounding casts, I mean, it's a really good debate. If you look at surrounding casts, Brady has never had anyone anywhere near as good as Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen's one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time. And I know each of the Bulls trilogies, each of their three-peats, had different talent around them. But Pippen and Jordan were there every year. There is no Pippen to Brady, right? Brady... This is one of the fascinating things I think about when you look, and I'm not going to break down offensive line play, but from a skill position, receiver position, he's got Gronk, who's going to be a tight end, uh, tight end Hall of Fame first ballot. Randy Moss he got for a couple of years, but that is, uh, that is pretty much it. So I think I'm going to be, and we have tons of time to make this argument, right? We're going to talk about it next week, and maybe we'll never make it because maybe Brady's going to lose and he won't get to that sixth championship. But I think that is going to become a really intriguing and fun bar debate that doesn't have an answer. I think everybody out there listening to us right now is going to come down on one side or the other. In fact, I know when I pull up my Twitter feed and look at it during this break, a ton of you are going to be hopping in, either arguing on behalf of Jordan or arguing on behalf of Brady. What I like about this argument is that it's brand new, that it hasn't been hashed out for the last 10 years like Jordan versus LeBron. And by the way, I'm a Jordan guy in that debate. But I I, uh, I think it's going to be a a really intriguing one. I think that's probably the biggest, most impactful outcome of winning this Super Bowl would be getting Brady to six. All right, when we come back, I am told Danny G has prepared a Super Bowl trivia quiz for me predicated on the cities of Atlanta and the cities of L.A., right? Right. Uh, and so we will see how much knowledge I have of, uh, of this uh, of this scenario. Appreciate all of you. We have got a loaded hour three, four major guests, Saquon Barkley, Sal Palantonio, Demarcus Ware, and Thurman Thomas, all those guys in the final hour. Up next, it's trivia on
6: OutKick. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Live from the Geico
4: Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by TrueCar. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with TrueCar, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash Offer, not available in all areas. Also, Fox Sports Radio Super Week is brought to you by Amazon Fire TV. Don't forget, you can watch the big game on Fire TV for free without cable. All right, every now and then we like to do a uh, trivia game. Probably should do trivia games more, more often. Live here on Radio Row, Danny G, you have prepared a trivia game. Explain to everybody out there what exactly this game is.
7: Yeah, now if you're a long-time OutKick listener, you remember during the World Cup, we would always do that's it, that country or that country. So Two options. Yeah, if it was Croatia or test your
4: knowledge, right. Test your knowledge in the big game going on. Yeah,
7: fun yeah. facts about each country. In this case, we're going to do each city, L.A. or Atlanta, as we celebrate the two cities in the Super Bowl.
4: All right, so Atlanta is hosting the Super Bowl and L.A., so you're just tossing completely to the curb. Uh, everybody out there who is uh, from the Boston area. You're giving them no respect in this game.
7: Well, L.A. or Atlanta because we're in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, and L.A. because you've been there. The reason I did this is because I know you've spent time in both L.A. and Atlanta. All right, there are
4: ten questions here. How well do you think that I will do on these 10 questions? Out of 10. I I'm have to identify say, whether it's L.A. or, or Atlanta, yeah. right?
7: And I figured I wanted to give the Falcons fans some love because you've met some disgruntled Falcons fans the past week. It's,
4: it's interesting. Like, yeah. I was uh, in my Uber. So, I'm, I, so while I'm here, I'm doing the radio show early in the morning, and then I do the television show yeah. in the afternoon. And uh, I'm doing the television show from a studio uh, <laughs> a couple miles from the hotel. And so I take an Uber uh, to that studio every day. And yesterday I had an Uber driver, like a 65, 68-year-old man. And, uh, and he said, you know, what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm here for the Super Bowl. And he said, I retired from sports three years ago. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, I'm a lifelong Falcons fan. And when they gave up that 28-3 lead, he said, I, he said, I decided that for me, sports was like a bad marriage. I didn't need it in my life anymore. And he said, I quit it cold turkey. He was like, you know, if you're in a bad marriage, what do you do? He said, you get divorced. He said, the Falcons and me were a bad marriage. I've been rooting for them my entire life. But I was so distraught when they gave up the 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl that I quit sports cold turkey. Damn. He said, I'm just out. And he said, you know what? I felt a lot better. They don't make me feel bad. Everybody's talking about how bad the Falcons were this year. I said, I didn't care. I didn't know. Uh, and so he said he treated it like a bad marriage, and he got divorced. And uh, and so he had been great ever since. I, that was an amazing line because he just said it so matter-of-factly. And so uh, whatever happened in that uh, 28-3 to comeback, my man was just, he's out. He said, uh, "Now I'm, you know, I'm retired from uh, from most of work. He's like I, you know, drive an Uber a couple hours a day just because I like to uh, to get out and meet people and you know make a little bit of side cash. But he said I'm retired from my jobs and I am retired from sports. Never felt better. Nice. It's amazing. I've never heard of anybody retiring as a sports fan before, but he uh, he pulled the plug.
7: I can't imagine Falcons broke him. I just can't imagine doing it because I'm so invested in my favorite teams, like a lot of our listeners are." I just can't see myself ever doing something like that. And what a way to die too. You you know what I mean? And and what's gonna happen, say he's eighty one and the Falcons go back to the Super Bowl, is he gonna jump back on the train?
4: I don't know, but I do think as you get older and you realize that your team might not win a championship again before you die, I can see deciding to focus on other things. <laughs> I mean I'm to Like your prostate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to turn 40 in in a couple of months. I turned 40 on April 6th. And I legit now that Tennessee – you know, I'm a Tennessee uh, fan, born and raised in the state of Tennessee. Um, the University of Tennessee basketball team, I never anticipated they might ever contend in a high level for a championship. They might this year. I mean, they're the number one team in the country. And, uh, you know, in my life, uh, the University of Tennessee won a championship in 1998. And uh, the Titans went to the Super Bowl in 1999. I didn't realize how good I had it at the end of the 90s. It's the greatest, uh, greatest part of uh, my sports <laughs> fandom life. Also, 98, 99, pretty awesome years in general. Um, and, uh, and so uh, I, I, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to win another one. I, I, you know, I got, what do you think, 40 years? 40 years on, on average. You know, the average person lives to be about 79 yeah or thereabouts so
7: so many of us have been dan marino but then there's lots of fan bases that have never been there at all and i can't even imagine that because at least some of us have some championship yeah, about, game or super bowl think about to all the
4: red Sox and chicago cubs fans who died never seeing their team win god and rest all, their all souls. the hours all the hours <laughs> weeks yeah. months years that they put into believing that it was going to happen and then they died and never happened. So anyway, that guy's retired. Maybe the Falcons will win a Super Bowl. I think more likely than not, probably not.
7: Well, we'll give Atlanta some love. So, Roberto, fire up the trivia music. Okay, now Fox Sports Radio originates out of L.A., and, of course, we're in Atlanta representing the Dirty South, ATL. So we're going to do L.A. or Atlanta. All right, Clay, question one.
4: Did you say how many of these you think I'm going to get? Oh. What would you set the over-under at? I think you'll get
7: 5 out of 10. Crap.
4: All right, 5 out of 10. Crap. Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's exactly average because we could flip a coin. I got to do better than 5 yeah, out of 10.
7: Yeah, you do. All right, here we go. Question 1. Yes. In February 1978, a foot of rain fell in a 24-hour period in this city.
4: A foot of rain, 12 inches of rain in February of 1978. Yes. I don't think 12 inches of rain would be extraordinary for Atlanta. Like I think that would happen somewhat regularly and the reason why i'm using that as an example is i know that 15 inches of rain fell in tennessee in nashville in my hometown we had a huge flood surrounding it but 12 inches of rain in la i feel like is more inches of rain than la usually gets in an entire uh entire year i don't know what the toe was 20 inches of rain or something la gets that's my guess i don't know what what time of year was it
7: it was february
4: so it could be spring in Atlanta cuz spring kind of comes early. I'm going to go with uh I'm going to go with LA cuz I think it would stand out a lot more in LA. Clay doing
7: some detective work on this first one between February 8th and the 11th in 1978, huge storm and in a 24-hour period in LA, an entire foot of rain fell in that 24-hour period. Boom. Correct. One Boom. out of one so far.
4: Big win for me there. All right, what else All right, you got? here we go.
7: Second question. It is illegal to lick a toad in this city.
4: It's illegal to lick a toad. I think there are a lot more toads in, uh, in Atlanta than there are in L.A., so I'm going to go with uh, with the ATL. Atlanta, great
7: guess, but you are wrong. There
4: are a lot of toads in L.A. I, I just wouldn't guess. think of the amphibian population as being substantial. Then.
7: I don't know how many L.A. has, but it is illegal there to, to lick a toad, so you are one of one. Imagine being one.
4: a state legislator and thinking that you need to make sure that that doesn't happen.
7: <laughs> uh, all right, question three. One of the largest Hindu temples outside of India. In India, we talk a lot about a lot in the Animal Thunderdome. Yes,
4: a lot of people get murdered all the time or killed all the time <laughs> by animals in India.
7: One of the largest Hindu temples outside of India is located in this city.
4: Well, I'm going to go counterintuitive here because I think that most people would hear this and think L.A. Because L.A. is a very diverse uh, city with people from all walks of life. It's also much bigger than Atlanta. So I think most people would think L.A., now, you know what? It's, I'm not going to go counterintuitive here. I'm going uh, to stick with L.A. Ah, you
7: should have went counterintuitive because it is Atlanta, in fact. It's a ba- that's a tough one. Yeah, that was a, that's a tough L for you. You're one and two. All right. Here we go. Question four. It was once illegal to put an ice cream cone in your back pocket in this city.
4: I, I, I mean, there's no <laughs> earthly way that you can even rationalize some of these uh, some of these questions. Like, I'm going to go with what was the, it was illegal. It was gonna,
7: once illegal to put an ice cream cone in your back pocket in this city.
4: I'm going to go with uh, with it being Atlanta.
7: You're right. Atlanta, two for two. Or two and two, I should
4: yes, say. Yes, I'm exactly 50-50. You're we We're ex- just yeah, flipping you're,
7: coins. You're exactly average right now. All right, here we go. Question five this city is home to the largest Boulder ever transported Boulder Boulder
4: a uh, big rock well the big rock in Atlanta is Stone Mountain but it's impossible to transport Stone Mountain I mean it is just a, a massive uh, unbelievable uh, you know like natural uh, wonder I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a uh, I'm gonna
7: go with LA here you are right. And the fellas back in LA knew this: 340-ton chunk of granite hit the road back in 2012. It was a big news story in LA because it took 11 days to move it just 85 miles to LACMA, which wow. is one of our big museums there.
4: Man, craziness happens, and I, I would—the road got shut down because a bigger rock hit it, huh?
7: Oh, I mean, well, they have it on display where they have this big bridge, uh, yeah. by LACMA, and so people go to take pictures in front of it. All right, here we go. Question six. You're now three and two. The fastest baseball game in history happened in this city.
4: I'm actually curious how fast the fastest baseball game. Does it give me a year?
7: Uh, Do I have the – it didn't give the year. But uh, but I'll tell you this. It was uh, not a pro game. It was not an M- MLB game.
4: Um, I would go with uh, – I'll, I'll go with Atlanta. You are right. The Mobile Seagulls
7: beat the Atlanta Crackers –
4: Oh, two, man. Two
7: to, <laughs> racist. Two to one, 32 minutes was the entire game.
4: The Atlanta Crackers the is the one Atlanta hell of a name games. for a team.
5: Racist.
4: What uh, What was. I mean, I'd love to know. Somebody needs to look what up. What was their the,
7: mascot? Yeah, I don't know. Just a really pale guy Some, running somebody around. Somebody
4: needs to look up the, the history of how the Atlanta Crackers name came to be. That is a uh, phenom- that I mean, that would be phenomenal like gear to be (laughs) selling the atlanta crackers gear
7: wow you are four and two all right here we go question seven this city hosted the greatest route in football history
4: this city hosted the greatest route in football history you know one of the worst football routes ever was like Sewanee beat or got beaten like 220 to nothing and that was in uh at the university of the south is there but the greatest route i mean So I'm going to go with Atlanta because I think of Atlanta more as a football city than I do L.A., and also the history of the city of Atlanta would allow a lot more games to be played here. So I'm going to go with Atlanta.
7: See, I thought you might overthink this one and go the other way, but you're actually right. Atlanta back in 1916 when Georgia Tech obliterated Cumberland College
4: 222 to nothing. All right. Those were the the good days for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, (laughs) All right, question eight. How am I doing pretty
7: well here, right? What am I like? Five and two. Five and two. You're on a rally right now. Yeah. All right, question eight. This city has the country's third largest oil field.
4: Oh, I think that's L.A. I think L.A. has a lot more oil than people are aware, and I'm going L.A. Could tell you've spent some uh, big oil money time there in L.A. You're right. People are surprised, I think, that there was initially, before they found oil in Texas, if I remember correctly, they found oil in Los Angeles.
7: Do you know at Beverly Hills High School, they still have... An oil there? Yeah, and and the school generates like $300,000 a year off of the the commission for it.
4: Oh, that's interesting. No, I didn't know that, but I didn't know that they had found it there first. Okay, question number nine.
7: The Shirley Temple drink was created in this city.
4: I'm going to say the Shirley Temple was created in Atlanta. wrong that's stupid because Shirley Temple was an actress (laughs) I should have thought that probably the Shirley Temple was created in in LA that was that was a dumb that's the first one I've whiffed on and thought that was pretty stupid still doing good though six and
7: three by the way it was created at LA's Brown Derby restaurant yeah okay question 10 last one this city is home to the center for puppetry arts the country's largest organization dedicated to puppetry and one of the only puppet museums in the world what a bunch of nerds
4: i'm gonna go with atlanta and you're right you finish
7: with a w seven and three. Seven, and three seven three really solid good, performance man. there Need some applause
4: through, working through there as we have rolled through um all right let's uh we're gonna reset here we are at good questions there danny g doing their trivia research hopefully you played along learned a lot about atlanta And L.A., even though I do think Boston was disrespected there by not being included.
7: How many times has Boston been to the Super Bowl?
4: A lot. Far too many, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, So when we come back, we will break down uh, the Super Bowl, continue to uh, discuss Brady versus Goff. And I've got what I think is kind of an an interesting question I want to bring the crew in and discuss. Um, This Jared Goff trajectory, um, there are a lot of quarterbacks who over time have kind of disappeared. Is Goff poised to become a major face of the NFL or is this a blip on the radar and he is not going to be here a lot and also almost always you pick if you had to decide quarterback or coach you go with the quarterback in the NFL. Would people rather have Sean McVay for the next five years or Or would you rather have Jared Goff for the next five years? Which one is more valuable to the Rams, and which one would you rather have stock in going forward? I might even put that up as our poll question for the day. I haven't done poll questions in a while. All that's still coming. By the way, in hour three, it's going to be a zoo here. We have got so many guests coming through. Going to have Saquon Barkley first. Then we're going to talk with Ron Jaworski. Then we are going to talk with DeMarcus Ware. And then we are going to talk with Thurman Thomas, all four of those guests in the final hour of the show. Make sure, by the way, that you also get out there and download the podcast. We've had a lot of incredible guests so far this week. By the way, tomorrow, Dak Prescott's going to be on with us. That's going to be pretty fantastic, I hope. We'll see how that goes. In the meantime, uh, great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. All it takes is 15 minutes to find out if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And Geico offers coverage for more than just car insurance. Got a motorcycle, Geico's got you covered. Got an RV covered. Got a boat covered. And there's so much more Geico could help with. Plus, don't forget the discounts. Go to Geico.com today and see how much you could save. That's Geico.com. McVeigh versus Goff. Who matters more for the Rams' future? This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports
6: Radio.
2: Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 333 kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
15: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
4: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
15: And then you have China.
4: Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I will update you on the early results of our poll question here, Jared Goff or Sean McVeigh. And remember, most of the time, I feel like in the NFL, quarterback is drastically more important than coach. So we'll see whether that carries through in terms of the results on this poll question. But first, Eddie Garcia, what you got for me?
9: got a Geico scoreboard. We'll start in the NBA with some games to note where the Nuggets beat the Pelicans 105-99. New Orleans still without injured and disgruntled star Anthony Davis for Denver in the win. They improved to 35-15. They're one game back of Golden State for the best record in the West. Celtics over the Hornets 126-94. Trailblazers top the Jazz 132-105. Damian Lillard 36 points for Portland. And the Timberwolves get a Carl Anthony Towns buzzer beater to knock off the Grizzlies 99-97 in overtime. In NBA news, Lakers star LeBron James, who's missed the last 18 games with the groin injury, was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, but he will not play in the team's next game. It was speculated that he might return to the court Thursday night against the Clippers, but that is not going to happen. In the NHL, the Winnipeg Jets are going to host the Columbus Blue Jackets at 8 Eastern tonight. It's our Discover Card key matchup. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit score. Limitations apply. We'll be back to Outkick the coverage in 10 seconds, but first, a word from Farmers. From a dog- Accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it.
7: Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We
6: are farmers.
11: Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by farmers, truck, fire insurance, exchanges, and affiliates. Products not available in every
9: state. Now back to Clay Travis in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53.
4: Eddie, who would you go with? Would you go with McVeigh or would you go with uh, or would you go with Jared Goff next decade?
9: It's a great question uh, because obviously Goff looked like he was a bust before McVeigh got there. But I think it's a quarterback league. I'm going to take the quarterback, even though it's a tough call.
4: What about you, Danny G? Who would you go, quarterback or coach?
7: I would go coach because before McVeigh got there, and it was Jeff Fisher, you saw what Goff looked like. It's as simple as that to me.
4: All right, uh, polling around here, uh, Dub. Who would you go with?
10: I'm going McVeigh. Here,
4: you're going McVeigh. Uh, what about you uh, guys in the studio in LA as well? Uh, what Sha- about you, Co- Coop and Roberto?
8: Sean McVeigh, because when uh, uh, Fisher was there at Jared Goff
4: crap. Yeah, we're not yep. going seven and nine. We're not gonna do that.
8: I have to. I have to agree. I have to go McVeigh.
4: So the, the responses are actually mirroring. I didn't think it was going to be this much of a landslide. Uh, but Dan, uh, Eddie Garcia, definitely in the minority here. Would you rather this is this is kind of stunning to me how much of a landslide it is. Uh, thousands of you voting already. Would you rather have Jared Goff for the next 10 years as quarterback or Sean McVay as coach? 89% say Sean McVay. So uh, only 11% are picking Jared Goff. So The cult of Sean McVay is at an absolute apex right now because it's not just NFL uh, GMs and owners who are out there trying to find the next Sean McVay. There are not very many times, I don't think, where given the option between a quarterback who is in the Super Bowl or the coach who is in the Super Bowl in a quarterback-driven league that... Did we get a landslide like this? Like we now we to be fair, I've pulled Brady versus Belichick before, and most people go Belichick, and I think that's because of Brady's age right now. If Brady were 31 instead of 41, I think that answer would be different. But Belichick at 66 seems to most people like he has a lot more years left. But this is I, I think this kind of flies in the face of most expectation now. This also means, I think, that if the Rams win, if they pull off the upset, I think most of this credit is going to go to Sean McVay. Most of the time in the Super Bowl, we give the credit to the quarterback. For instance, even last year, I think most people now, and maybe it's partly because Nick Foles played well coming in for an injured Carson Wentz again this year, But I feel like most people gave credit last year to Nick Foles. Doug Peterson, great coach, created an offensive system that led to a lot of success for his quarterback. But I feel like most of you out there were like, man, Nick Foles threw for over 400 yards. He was incredible. He won two playoff games, and then he won the Super Bowl. This guy deserves all the credit. The last quarterback I can remember who won a Super Bowl and almost nobody gave him any credit at all Trent Dilfer. Like, if you go through the list of Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks over the last 20 years or so, as the NFL has become more and more of a quarterback-driven league, almost no one finishes the Super Bowl without looking at the quarterback and saying, man, this, this guy's a made man. It's amazing how much things have changed when you win a Super Bowl. It's pretty intriguing to think about, right? I mean, when I tell you, you know, Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls, There's not very many people who think about, oh, Gary Kubiak and Tony Dungy were the coaches for him. And I don't think any of you would be like, oh, well, that's Kubiak's Super Bowl. Or, oh, that's Tony Dungy's Super Bowl. Maybe a little bit more on Dungy because he was a longtime coach who never could quite win one. And I think if the other quarterbacks were in this uh, Super Bowl, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, that is Sean Payton's Super Bowl. You'd be like, Drew Brees won the Super Bowl. That's Drew Brees' Super Bowl. If Patrick Mahomes were in the Super Bowl, I think if Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl, everybody would say, oh, that's Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl. Even guys who have lost, Cam Newton, Ron Rivera, I don't think anybody was like, oh, Ron Rivera, he put this team together, he's the Super Bowl, like he deserves all the credit. It is interesting how with Sean McVeigh, the cult of the coach is ascendant, and this is going to be, I think for many people, they'll look at this and say, that's Sean McVay's Super Bowl. Now, why is that? The easy answer is because somebody already hinted on it. Several of you guys already hinted at it, and a lot of you are on Twitter are hinting at it too. It's because McVay came in, and Jared Goff was so bad with Jeff Fisher. So as a result, Goff doesn't even get credit for being good. It's all about how much better he has been because of Sean McVay. And I think it's an interesting question. I think Goff, for a long time in college football, you had what was called a system quarterback. That was the one of the biggest insults you could give somebody in college football was, oh, Steve Spurrier's fun and gun. It doesn't matter. It's Danny Werfel. Yeah, he won the Heisman Trophy, but he's a system quarterback, right? And Oklahoma, for years, under Bob Stoops, system quarterbacks, right? Now, maybe not so much in the last couple of years with, uh, with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield because it looks like they're really good no matter what system they were in. But it was a pejorative that you would toss out there because in college football, the coach is ascendant. And the coach gets most of the credit. We talk about Dabo Sweeney winning a championship. We talk about Nick Saban winning a championship. We don't spend as much time talking about the quarterbacks or other players on those teams winning championships because the coach is what is consistent in college football. Players come and go. I do think that this is interesting that basically what we're arguing in all of these people who are responding is that Jared Goff is a system quarterback for Sean McVay. And that if you put Jared Goff, let's say, in Jameis Winston's spot in Tampa or if you put him in Marcus Mariota's spot in Tennessee, that he wouldn't be this incredible quarterback if he were one of those franchises where you got young quarterbacks but they haven't posted huge numbers. Conversely, if you took Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston, young quarterbacks, and put them in the system with the Rams, I think there's a lot of people out there who say, you know what, that's probably Sean McVay would get the most out of them. Now, this is great for Sean McVay and for the cult of his coaching supremacy, but I do think this is a wild result because it flies in the face of pretty much everything that you would typically think about in the NFL again thousands of you voting you can go vote yourself uh, at uh, Clay Travis on Twitter at Clay Travis 89% of people saying Sean McVay is uh, is the guy that you would want to have for the next 10 years certainly this factors in 10 years Jared Goff is 24 right now he'll be 34 I mean that's wheelhouse NFL years it's not like he's going to get old Sean McVay will go from 33 to 43 these results surprise you as slanted as they are
7: no but what I want to ask you and what I'm wondering is do you think these results would be a lot different if Goff had finished the season as strong as he was playing towards the middle of the season if he finished as strong as Mahomes did do you think people would pause a little bit more and give him more credit
4: maybe but I think this is primarily symptomatic of the issue at play here which is how bad he was with Jeff Fisher and how much better he immediately was with Sean McVay. Oh, yeah,
7: people were calling him a flop, a bust.
4: After his first year. Yeah. And then I think whether Jared Goff got himself better, I think almost everyone out there right now listening to us believes it is Sean McVay who has made him into an elite passer. And, again, this comes back to you rarely hear somebody described as a system quarterback in the NFL, but it seems like there is so much love for Sean McVay right now that that's what we're basically talking about here.
7: Well, how much credit should the organization get, the front office, by putting these weapons around him? Because remember, well, all he, what do you have, Austin the, the first year? So, I,
4: I think the, the organization deserves the credit for hiring Sean McVay because they went through and did a pretty uh, – there's a good article in the Wall Street Journal I was reading yesterday about how they went about hiring Sean McVay and how they went to four dinners with him. And he had to sell himself to everybody. Because remember, he was 30 years old when he got hired. And when they did their study, they said that basically everything they looked at in the NFL, there was no predictive value. Like, were you a good uh, offensive or defensive coordinator? You won about half your games. Were you a prior head coach? You won about half your games. The NFL is a 50-50 league. Where they said they noticed real value was when you hire a young guy, you either hit a home run or you strike out. So you have the possibility to do really well, and they cited several other young coaches um, in particular that I thought was intriguing. John Gruden was 34 the first time he got hired. Uh, You had uh, Shula was like 33 the first time that he got hired. Uh, John Madden was 32, I think, the first time that he got hired. All three of those guys were wildly successful, relatively speaking, and won Super Bowls. And then on the flip side, you have Lane Kiffin who gets fired after, like, 20 games, has the whole uh, overhead projector uh, controversy with Al Davis. But uh, – Lane. Kevin Dimoff. Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Kevin uh, Dimoff, the, uh, uh, the the setup there, I thought was, uh, was pretty intriguing to see how they broke that down and made that decision. Um, all right. Uh, when we come back, we're to break a little bit early here. Uh, we have got a feud. I actually think this is why Deshaun Watson – didn't initially want to come on Fox Sports Radio. I didn't even realize what was going on with the show before us. Ben Maller has been engaged in an ongoing feud with Deshaun Watson. And for people who don't know, at Radio Row, they uh, they are asked to come on show. Like, you know, the, the publicists say like, okay, I've got Deshaun Watson. And initially, Deshaun Watson's people, I'm told, said, no, we don't want to do Fox Sports Radio. But they were doing... Fox television and they were doing Fox digital on our stage here on the Atlanta uh in Atlanta at the Super Bowl
7: yeah they agreed to do TV
4: TV and digital yeah I mean he was here for 25 minutes and he came on with us for a couple minutes so wait a minute what's happening here that he's doing everything else I think it was Ben Maller I think they thought that Ben Maller might be here and then as soon as they realized it wasn't the guy who Deshaun Watson had been feuding with They were fine with putting him on the air. But if you don't know about this feud, I think we got a couple of clips. We'll play it for you. And I think, frankly, Ben Maller needs to apologize to everybody on OutKick for what he did. His polluted relationship with Deshaun Watson has now infiltrated, infected other aspects of the radio network. So I think Ben Maller, when he comes in late tonight, he needs to sit down and he needs to issue a public apology to everyone out there, because of his pollution of the relationship with Deshaun Watson, who came on the show with us for just a couple of minutes, it was lovely, it was a fantastic mm-hmm. guest. Would have had him for a lot more minutes if it weren't for Maller. Why do they dislike each other? Where did their feud begin? I think we got some audio for you. This is kicked the guy. And I guess he's been ripping us for having him on. Is well, this true?
7: ripping me because I used to be on his program. Oh, he's so he's, call, he's calling me a he's, turncoat. Oh. Yeah.
4: He's saying you turn-coded in favor of Deshaun Watson? Yes. That's probably a good move. I think if you had to choose to be on the Watson uh, Watson team or the, uh, the Mallard team, I think you got to go Watson. But we'll talk about that uh, final segment of our two. And then, like I said, loaded guest segments. We're going to have Saquon Barkley. We are going to have Ron Jaworski. We are going to have Demarcus Ware. And we will finish with Thurman Thomas. All four of those guests in the final hour of this show. Live from Super Bowl Radio Row, this is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. A message from Welch's Grape
4: Juice. 100% of the profits made from Welch's Grape Juice goes to American farmers. Know what else goes to American farmers? 100% of the thrill from repeatedly crushing grapes, skins and seeds included, to all that's left is delicious juice. That's what else. The world's toughest antioxidants, Welch's toughest grapes. So Deshaun Watson didn't want to come on Fox Sports Radio. And I was trying to figure out. I was like, what? I, You know, I have only been complimentary of Deshaun Watson. I mean, whether he's at Clemson or whether he's with the Texans. And i totally forgotten about this. Ben Maller said on air, Deshaun Watson ain't going to be around for very long. He's going to be destroyed and obliterated again because his body can't handle the rigors of the NFL. Now that was last summer back in June and then Deshaun Watson saw this tweet and he retweeted lol clown and it was a big story that went out and kind of echoed around everywhere. Now I obviously have said a lot of things that have also ended up not panning out very well. Oh, yeah. But Deshaun Watson had a very good year. Even if you are a Houston Texans hater, I think you have to be pretty pleased with how good Deshaun Watson looked this year. He was injured, but he didn't miss a game. He had, uh, you know, hits that he took, uh, collapsed lung nearly, like all these different wild uh, injuries that he played through. And so... Then we had him on the show. Did you remember this feud? You didn't tell me about it.
7: I mean, it wasn't top of my mind to be honest with you because uh when we were in a break the other day you told me, "Hey, he's he's going to go to Digital go grab him do whatever you have to do to get him up here for a couple of minutes." So I'm just in the mode of doing my job the best I can do it. That's all I was thinking at the time. It wasn't until uh, he was doing TV that I took a picture. I actually tweeted out Ben Maller's favorite quarterback. Ha-ha. Just thinking it was funny. And a lot of my friends are the Maller militia. And I just thought people would smile and, and laugh. I didn't know Ben would have a you know a fit and go crazy and that a lot of his minions would jump aboard on Twitter. So he
4: attacked you for disloyalty. Oh, oh big time. I think we have audio of of, of Danny G being attacked for Climbing on board the Deshaun Watson train.
16: My trust has been betrayed again. My Uh trust has been betrayed again by Uh someone that was in the inner circle. There is an (laughs) obstacle in my relationship with this person, someone I considered a friend. I don't have a lot of friends in radio. I don't. I I don't deal with these people other than a professional relationship. This is someone I've broken bread with. This is someone that's been to my house, and he essentially spit a loogie in my face, this person. (laughs) And I'm so offended by this. I'm so hurt by this. Uh, I I, I need to see a therapist. I need to know what I should do. I've got this dilemma. I need your help. So for several years, one of my right-hand guys on the show, one of my producers, was the great Danny G Radio. I considered him a brother. All right? We work together. When you do the overnight show together, there's a bond. There's a fraternity that you have when you work overnights with someone in radio. And he has betrayed me. He has become, I called him Baby Judas, because not only did he schmooze with a mortal enemy of mine, not only did he hang out in his presence, he then had the chutzpah. He then had the gall to shove it in my face with a photo hugging and essentially canoodling with this person, the the clown show that is Deshaun Watson.
5: Well, this is
16: the kind of a blunder, the kind of a Freudian slip that I don't know that I can ever patch up this relationship. I'm very pig-headed. I'm, I'm a Taurus. As our friend Andrea knows in, the, in Berkeley, I'm very stubborn. Uh, and when you cross me,
4: you're dead to me. That so is... I, that is uh, Ben Mallard just teeing off on you. What do you would you say the status of the relationship is now?
6: Well,
7: you know, the thing with Ben is once he digs his heels in on a topic, he will never relent. It's just his personality, and the fellas in L.A. know exactly what I'm talking about. So when will in you fact, see
4: him? You'll see him on Monday. Yeah. What well, do you think your relationship yes. will be like? Uh,
7: I'm not sure, uh, but here's the thing. Look, Ben is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into sports radio because I used to love listening to him because I you know I've always had insomnia. I've always been an early morning person, so when I got to go to Fox and work with Ben, it was awesome. But we hardly ever agree with Ben's takes. He's overboard on so many of his takes that in the studio and when he comes to us, you have two options with Ben he if you're quiet and you don't want to get into a fight with him, then he'll say. Oh look, Danny's being quiet over there. He doesn't have a word to say about this. Or, but if you try to defend your stance and disagree with him, then he goes at you and says you're being a big mouth and you're being a, a you know a toady or a stool or a you're being a fanboy for for whoever you're defending. So it's a no-win situation when you argue with Ben sometimes on topics that he's really passionate about. But back when Ben was on this whole anti-Deshaun Watson thing, me and a couple of the other guys on the crew we disagreed with him back then when he said to Deshaun Watson was a horrible quarterback and he was going to stink in the NFL. We laughed and disagreed and sure enough, I feel like I've been proven right from back then when I argued about it with Ben.
4: Uh, this is uh, by the way, uh, so we'll see how that feud develops because you'll, you'll be face to face on Monday. Uh, but by the way,
7: I'll bring him a bottle of ranch
4: yeah. to make peace. Uh, the president has weighed in on the blown call in, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, in Rams and Saints. He, uh, he said, uh, This is Donald Trump now weighing in. I feel badly. It was a great state that voted for me, Louisiana. I feel very badly for Louisiana because that was maybe the worst call I've ever seen. But I guess there's nothing they can do about that. And you might say it, I feel badly for Louisiana. Um, And uh, also, uh, Trump weighed in on the Patriots. He said, Belichick is so tough and uh, Kraft is a great guy. The three of them, Brady, Belichick, and Kraft, how good was Brady? I mean, the last game, the last two games, Brady plays better under pressure than he does in a regular game. I mean, the last two minutes, the way he was throwing the ball down the field, they were bullets. Um, And uh, he said that the reason why he thinks Brady, Kraft, and Belichick have been so good uh, is its talent, its chemistry. They have great chemistry with each other. I like all three of them, as you know. I'm a very good friend with them coach belichick endorsed me you remember that and remember that we talked about that on this show uh (laughs) like the night before the uh the election trump had that rally in new hampshire and he read a letter from bill belichick endorsement and we had we did the whole show talking about whether the letter was real (laughs) whether belichick had actually sent it or not but uh but belichick had and he did um and uh, anyway that is interesting that the president of the united states now has weighed in on behalf of the people of Louisiana, many, (laughs) many many French fries, there you go, uh, has weighed in now and said it was maybe the worst call in uh, the history of the NFL and that he feels bad for the great state of Louisiana uh, that voted for him. Um, All right, we come back. We are scheduled. Is Saquon here? Have you seen Saquon? We are scheduled to be joined by Saquon Barkley. Hour four sorry hour three of the show we have four (laughs) guests we got saquon barkley ron jaworski demarcus ware and thurman thomas all going to roll through the show it's going to be fast-paced make sure you don't miss it download the podcast if you haven't already lots of guests tomorrow we're going to start off the show with dak prescott so that is going to be a a big time get to start off the show i hope danny g and ben Maller can can get back together again this has been outkick
6: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: Welcome in Thursday edition of the show final hour. We are off and rolling here in Atlanta, getting ready for Super Bowl 53, about to be joined by Saquon Barkley as he makes his way over to our stage we are here in the Geico Outkick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And we're brought to you by Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out Car. True cash offer not available in all areas. Also, Fox Sports Radio's Super Week is brought to you by Amazon Fire TV. Stream all your favorite shows, movies, live sports from Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, YouTube, Fox Sports, and more on Fire TV. We'll be joined here momentarily by Saquon Barkley, but if you're just waking up, uh, big story. Yesterday afternoon, Roger Goodell finally addressed the blown call in the Saints Rams game a blown call that Donald Trump today is saying is also one of the worst calls he has ever seen happen before Uh, and this is what Roger Goodell finally said publicly for the first time about that
5: uh, missed call at the end of Rams Saints. We understand the frustration of the fans I've talked to Coach Payton the team the players and Whenever an officiating is part of any kind of discussion post-game, it's never a good outcome for us. But we also know our officials are human. We also know that they're officiating a game that moves very quickly and have to make snap decisions, and they're not gonna get it right every time. We have worked very hard to bring technology in to try to make sure we could do whatever's possible to address those issues, but technology is not gonna solve all those issues. The game is not officiated by robots, it's not, it's not going to be, but we have to continue to go down that path. The other complication is that it was a no call. Our coaches and clubs have been very resistant and there has not been support to date about having a replay official or somebody in New York throw a flag. When there's no flag they have uh, not voted for that in the past it's something that we're going to put to the competition committee but the reality is that's been uh, at least an opposition philosophically for many clubs
4: uh so that was roger goodell finally weighing in and doing what i thought was a uh, pretty poor job of finally addressing that issue um, and he had a ton of opportunity to address it in a good way he did not do it in uh, what I thought was a very uh, efficacious manner. And so uh, as a result, it took like 10 or 11 days, and he still didn't sound like a human when he was actually addressing that issue. Uh, On top of that, we have been talking about, obviously, as Super Bowl 53 gets closer and closer, uh, the poll question that's up right now that you can vote in if you would like to do so is, would you rather have Jared Goff for the next 10 years as quarterback for your team or Sean McVay as coach for your team for the next 10 years. I'm kind of blown away by this because usually in the NFL it's a quarterback-driven league. Instead, and this is pretty wild, 89% of you right now with tons of votes rolling in, 89% of you are saying that you would take Sean McVay over Jared Goff. And I think that's to a large extent partly uh, because of the overall, um, you know, Difference that we saw from Jared Goff in his second uh, stint with a new coach, Jeff Fisher, just so made Jared Goff look like a bust that all of the credit for the growth in Jared Goff's game has gone gone to Sean McVay, and so as a result, I think the stature right now of Sean McVay is off the charts, pretty phenomenal. Uh, breakdown in general uh, as you uh, as you contemplate the way that uh, the way that that. Is playing itself out. Uh, let me bring in the crew there. In fact, let me go ahead and get. Is Eddie there? I want to go ahead. We got so many guests coming in that I'd like to go ahead and get an update uh, set up here in a sec. We're trying to track down Saquon Barkley. Danny G has fled from the uh, from the set here and is trying to get everything set up. We got so many different people coming on. It's going to be challenged to balance them all out during the course of this hour. But Coop, I said earlier you were all in on Sean McVay. It's pretty wild to me that 90% of the vote right now in our poll question is saying I want Sean McVay for the next 10 years over Jared Goff because usually almost every time a quarterback is in the Super Bowl, you want that guy for years ahead.
8: That's true, but I think and you know who who knows if it's really the case, but when you if it is, if you have a genius head coach like, you know, people are saying Sean McVay is the fact is, you, you don't have to worry about Sean McVay getting injured and, and being done for the season. He's always going to be there, and those kind of coaches seem to be able to produce on offense no matter who they have. So I think that's a, a big factor in it. And just based off of what we've seen, how bad Jared Goff was the first year, yeah, maybe not all of his growth should be credited to Sean McVay, but it seems like it so far. So it's, uh, you know I feel like that's the safer bet for me.
4: If Sean McVay wins this Super Bowl at 33 years old, how much is he going to end up getting paid as a coach? I mean, his numbers are going to be completely off the charts in terms of the money that he can make. I almost think I would rather be a representative of uh, of Sean McVay. Like if I had to be an agent and take 10% of the earnings of either Jared Goff or of Sean McVay, I feel like McVay might make more money which is so rare to have a coach be at this height and uh, expectation and like just level. I mean, it's incredible. We just don't see it happen very often.
8: Do you think he reaches the ludicrous Gruden numbers?
4: I think beyond that because Gruden at $10 million a year, like I, I don't know exactly where it goes from, from there, but Gruden at $10 million a year, if Gruden's worth $10 million, then I would think Sean McVay has to be worth $15 million.
8: Oh, right. I mean, I, mean we'll, I don't think Gruden's worth anywhere near what he's getting paid, though. Well, that
4: might be true, but I mean, the market gave him a ten-year. Did he get a ten-year, hundred million-dollar yeah. contract? Yep. So if he's able to get that, then I think if you if you had the opportunity, is there anybody out there listening right now, including Raider fans, who wouldn't rather have Sean McVay as their coach right now? I mean, to me, McVay has the opportunity if he wins this game to ascend to a Bill Belichick level. The difference is Bill Belichick's 66, and he's been coaching at a high level for 20 years, basically. To have this happen for Sean McVay at 33 would be flat-out incredible. And it honestly starts to make some sense why there was so much uh, attention out there in general um, surrounding the the Sean McVay coaches. In the same way that everybody went after Bill Belichick coaches and everybody tried to go grab the next uh, Bill Belichick, and maybe we're going to have to recognize that there's so much talent there that it's hard to replicate what Sean McVay can do. But right now, Sean McVay is so, go- so much gold that anybody who touched him is, uh, is getting brought in at a high level. Everybody wants to be able to have the next Sean McVay. And that is the poll question. You can go vote at Clay Travis. We are live, Radio Row, Super Bowl 53. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us when we come back. I will have loaded guests coming through, rolling through. We'll try to balance them all out. In the meantime, have you seen Troy Aikman in the pro flowers commercials? He says that you don't have to be a pro on the field to be a pro at ordering flowers. Who are you sending flowers to this year? I'm telling you right now, you need to make the right decision. Go get your flowers taken care of, especially when it comes to Valentine's Day. Troy Aikman says, Valentine's Day, it's not complete without pro flowers they have so many valentine's day bouquets to choose from right at your fingertips you will be glad that you make the smart decision and trust me kids valentine's day is going to be here before you know it and it's right around the corner if you hurry right now you can get one dozen red roses with a free glass vase for $24.99 plus shipping and handling just go to proflowers.com today Click the microphone in the upper right corner and enter the code Clay Travis to choose the perfect roses at the perfect price. Again, that's proflowers.com today. Click in and enter the code Clay Travis, and you get the perfect roses at the perfect price. proflowers.com, Clay
6: Travis, order today. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True cash offer not available in all areas. We're joined now by the champ, Evander Holyfield. Got a question for you right off the top here. I've seen you at a lot of Georgia football games. Yes. You more nervous watching your son play football or going into a ring to fight in a heavyweight fight?
13: Well, I'm... Um- more fighting myself, you know, I, I don't have nothing to do with the game. Yeah. Yes.
4: How much fun is it to watch your son perform in those games?
13: Well, it is when he's doing well. Yeah. You know, when you get tackled and too many people get him before he get the ball. Yes. Come kind of bothered.
4: Um, we're talking with Evander Holyfield. Uh, when you think back on your career now, what fight do you remember the most? What kind of sticks out in your mind?
13: Uh, well, the one with Tyson, yeah. of course,
4: because where he bit you.
13: Well, not so much at that one. The first one, yeah, the first one. The first ones was the fact that that people thought because he was a bad guy, a bad guy could beat a good guy. Yeah, it's impossible for a good guy to beat a bad guy, and uh, so that was that was the highlight.
4: Uh, we're talking with the Vander Holyfield. When you think back on uh, on those fights against Tyson, those were must see moments, right? Uh, do you think boxing will ever get back there again?
13: It, it should. It should. I, I think it starts in the amateur. You have to have a good amateur program where people see the better fighters.
4: Yeah. Um, and do you think that's going to happen? Do you see younger kids kind of coming up in that way?
13: I think you have to make some, some changes. you got to put it on free television where –
4: People the, can see it.
13: When it. The people who are poor who would go into box and would yes. watch it. You know, it's pay-per-view. You know, people who don't have the money can't pay for pay-per-view. So, they don't get a chance to see it.
4: Uh, what does the Super Bowl in Atlanta mean for you? I know you've been living in Atlanta for a long time now.
13: Well, it means a lot. means a lot. I, of course, you know, they had one, But, you know, just – just the seal itself is yeah. it's growing, and 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 it should have more.
4: Um, you're here with uh, with the uh, Angus beef uh, when you got steaks for us on the on the table here, which is pretty outstanding. Even though a steak for breakfast, not bad.
13: Well, you know, it's certified. Now, see, <laughs> this just a little bit bigger than just Angus, so uh, you know, it's the best.
4: And you've got a chef who's walking around with you. How many steaks did you guys bring down here today? Whatever it takes to feed everybody in the media, this is fantastic. Um, when you uh, when you think about, uh, we talk about your career and your fights with Mike Tyson. When's the last time you saw Mike Tyson? Uh, you guys have any kind of relationship at all?
13: Well, yes, well, you know we went to we went to China together last yeah. time we there we went to China and you know Mike and I we were both on the losing squad trying to make the Olympic team. So I've been knowing there ever since seventeen years old.
4: Yeah. Um, and when you think back I, I, I think a lot of people listening to us right now, that iconic fight I know you guys fought multiple times, but for your career in many ways, I think it's the bite, right? Like the bite in that moment where so many people, uh, so many people think about that fight in that moment. do you still think about that sometimes?
13: Not, a, not at all. I, I think things come together because the fact of the matter is that it got opportunities to people to see what type of person I am. Now, I started to bite him back, but I chose not to. <laughs> I chose not to. But but we were both competitors, and, and people wanted to see the best fight. And so eventually we fought, and I won both.
4: What do you think about the rise of the UFC? If you were growing up now, let's say you were 15 years old, do you think you'd be drawn at all into MMA, or do you think you would still want to be a boxer?
13: I still want to be a boxer. I just think that. Box, you know i'm telling you, even with my mom she went you know you can't put your foot on nobody that's disrespectful yeah you can't kick nobody like that and you know and you're not supposed to bite nobody yeah those two things that you you don't know, supposed to do
4: um how do you feel physically after as many fights as you went through you feel pretty good
13: i, I feel great i feel great I'm, you know i took care of my body You know, say so people who take care of themselves they're gonna be all right
4: um, and I know you have a, a lot of kids. We talked about Elijah who's playing right now for, yes. uh, for Georgia. How many kids do you have overall? 11, 11, Eleven kids. Yeah. So, uh, how many of them have gone into athletics in some way? Have they, and has anybody at all followed you into boxing?
13: Well, I have one, I have one, uh, uh, it's Eleazar, Evan. He a boxer and he, matter of fact, he can be turning pro this year. Yeah. And, uh, but all my kids are good in sports. All of them fast. All of them can run fast. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, You know, and be good.
4: Um, Evander, we got a ton of people lined up to continue to come through here, but we appreciate you. We appreciate you guys bringing by. I'll check out this steak for sure. Uh, This has been fantastic. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Uh, Eddie Garcia, what you got for me?
9: got a Geico scoreboard in the NBA. The Nuggets knock off the Pelicans 105-99. Denver now 35-15 and one game back at Golden State for the best record in the West. Celtics over the Hornets 126-94. Trailblazers top the Jazz 132-105. Damian Lillard 36 points for Portland. And the the Timberwolves beat the Grizzlies 99-97 in overtime. Carl Anthony Towns wins it at the buzzer. NBA News, Lakers star LeBron James, who's missed 18 games with a groin injury, was a full participant in practice Wednesday, but he will not play in the team's next game. It was thought he might return to the court tonight against the Clippers, but that is not going to happen. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing without any more with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you will pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Outkick, the coverage in 10 seconds, but first, a word from Farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to Farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two.
11: We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
9: Now back to Clay Travis in Atlanta for Super Bowl Fifty
4: Three. We are going to be joined now by Ron Jaworski, um, who is uh, a name I don't need to give out a lot. I appreciate you waiting there. We had the, the champ there, uh, Vander Holyfield, showed up a little bit early, so oh, I to sit down with are you him. You
10: kidding me? Hey, I'll I'll wait to see the champ as well. It was great to see him again. And as, as he have coming up the stage, I spoke to him. It's been 19 years since I've seen him. The last Super Bowl here in Atlanta. And he looks like he could still knock some people out.
4: Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt at all about that. Um, well, I appreciate you coming with us here. Uh, you're here for uh, – for tell me who you're here with. Uh,
10: D.J. Knee Replacement. And when you're an old, beat-up NFL quarterback of 17 years in the league, uh, you find out that uh, yourself and a lot of your uh, brethren – Needs knee replacement, so DJ O'Nea does a fantastic job of not only servicing professional athletes, former professional athletes, but uh, our population in general.
4: Uh, all right, you have a uh, an interesting decision. Everybody knows you association with the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, and all of that story. You got the ring on right now. That's not a, that's not a bad that's not a bad look at all. No,
10: bling bling is good. Clay. Yeah, bling is always good.
4: How would you make a decision now if you were Nick Foles? Where do you think Nick Foles should go, assuming he buys his way out of that contract and Are you 100% certain that Carson Wentz is the future of the franchise and it makes no sense to consider even contemplating Nick Foles as the future?
10: Yes, uh, Carson Wentz is the future of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a fantastic athlete. Uh, Like any other professional athlete, there's always a question of health. Can he remain healthy? Um, He hasn't been able to do that, but the injuries he has sustained, people say, okay, he eventually will be all right. Nick Foles has stepped in as a backup quarterback, been a Super Bowl MVP, done a phenomenal job. You can't keep both of them. In today's salary cap era, you can't pay both quarterbacks. And Nick Foles has earned and deserves the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL.
4: Where do you think he should go? Uh, If you were advising him, where's the best fit for Nick Foles? Where's the best coaching, best offensive talent around him? Where would you send him?
10: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities. You know, people are going to look and say Washington because it doesn't look like Alex Smith will come back. People are going to look and say Jacksonville, Miami, places where there's, you know, Coaching staff, turnover, uh, unproven quarterbacks. Nick is a proven quarterback. You know what you're going to get. And you mentioned something I think is very important, the offensive line. Uh, you know, Nick is going to have to, he's going to have to look at the teams that are going to have interest in him and say, okay, here is the best offensive line. The one thing that I've learned about this league, and I'm a rockhead, uh, <laughs> but I've been around since 1973, 17 years of player, started my career with the LA Rams in 1973, played 17 years broke the game down uh, you know, with ESPN for a number of years, now working with the NFL Network studying tape. You must have an offensive line in front of you. I've watched a lot of great quarterbacks get pummeled and not, not ever recover from that. So if I'm advising Nick, I say, Nick, when you look at these teams, find out who's going to invest in the offensive line and who has a solid offensive line to start with.
4: Who do you think uh, will win, and we break down this game? Obviously, last year I know you were very excited to see the Eagles and Nick Foles find a way to get it done. Not a lot of people giving them a shot last year. I had them by eight, by the way. You did. They won by eight. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. (laughs) I got lucky. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the the game going on, the Patriots, uh, do you buy into them being able to keep their momentum going that we've seen in the playoffs so far, or do you think Sean McVay and Jared Goff and company might have something special for them?
10: You know, it's a typical Bill Belichick Patriot team, and I've always said this about Bill. In September, he has a picture of what he wants his team to look like in December. Yes. You know, they're, they're going to struggle. He's going to tweak. He's going to make subtle changes. You know, he's going to find out what his new young players can do, what they can't do. And by the time December rolls around, Bill usually has a pretty good idea of what he has. And then he gets rolling in the playoffs, and they are playing their best football right now uh, it's going to be a real chore right now for even that Rams defense to sustain the way they played against Tom Brady the offensive line which I just mentioned talking about Nick Foles has been outstanding I mean Tom has not been literally touched in the playoffs no sacks I think he's been knocked down a couple times the offensive line has been outstanding but obviously you know Aaron Donald and Dom and Kung
4: Su Brockers uh, Fowler you're going to see a fierce pass rush this weekend Ram Saints, the call that was not made. Roger Goodell addressed it yesterday. We're talking with Ron Jaworski. Do you believe there will be a long-term impact from that call being missed, or do you think it will just kind of fade into oblivion? No,
10: I, I think the commissioner is smart enough to understand that was a blown call uh, those two officials on that sideline blew the call. We all know it. I don't care if you're a Rams fan or a Rams player. You know that call was missed. And in games like that, you've got to have some way to correct errors like that. The technology we now have, we've got to be able to correct those things officials are going to miss calls that's a given they are human they're going to be out of position they're not going to see how things really played out but with technology we now have there's got to be a way to at least take a quick look at that buzz down and say hey we missed that one let's correct it now let the best team that deserves to go to the super bowl win the football game and since you asked me about that the other thing that concerns me too and i know you know, the uh, the replays are sponsored. We got Surface, and they bring, the, you know, the computer out and the iPad or whatever they bring out there, and we waste five minutes. Yes. We, I mean, as a quarterback, <laughs> I'm, like, throwing stuff watching the game because I know how I was when I played. You got momentum. You got a drive going to say, oh, we challenge the play. We don't know. And they bring this Surface camera out. It takes three minutes to set them up, to put head, put the headset on, and boom. All momentum is gone. It's gone. You've got nothing left. So now they wait five minutes. They say, okay, here's, here's the call. Why can't we, with the technology we now have, and the, all the smart people we have up in New York at, at Park Avenue in the office, they see that play. And all of a sudden, don't, you don't need to bring that, that surface computer on the field. Guys, you've got one minute. Give me a decision. Good, no good, whatever. And move the game along. Not only
4: that, if you, arguably, if you can't tell in a minute, it's not a hundred percent, yeah, right. It's it, it's not indisputable that you can review it and be able to do it. Here's what I would say: I would just extend the coaches' challenge to now include calls such as those, and you get one challenge in that situation. And if you want to do it, that's fine. But. You know, you only get one opportunity to throw a flag on something like that. And, Just and, r- roll and, it in. And that's a
10: good problem solver. At least yes. you have a chance. If there is a call like that, you know, you can challenge that call and say you want a replay. But, you know, they've always said, you know, we're, we're never going to have a challenge for pass interference. So right. it is a judgment call. And quite honestly, we've all seen a 1,000 million replays. I mean, there's pass interference on a lot of plays on both sides, offensively and defensively. And But the thing is, in a, in a game – where it's the last play, literally the last play of the game that determines the winner, that's when you should be able to have that chance. We're
4: talking to Ron Jaworski right now. Do you believe that regardless of what happens, the legacy of Brady and Belichick doesn't really change at all? I mean, not, they're either 5-4 and four or 6-3 in and and the Super Bowl, does it matter?
10: They're, they're, they're cemented. I, I think uh, uh, Bill Belichick will go down as the greatest coach of all time, and I think Tom Brady will go down as the greatest quarterback of all time. And you know what? Who's, there's not a whole lot you can argue about. They're, yeah. they're, 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 this... This run of supremacy is, is remarkable. You know, I, I, I feel I'm pretty good at evaluating the game. I've been around the game for so long. I know how hard every team works how coaches work, how front-offs office I mean, the hours these guys put in to beat the Patriots and not be able to do it, when you look at Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets, and all these years they've had changing coaching staffs, front-office players, quarterbacks, you name it, and they still can't challenge the Patriots? I mean, it just goes to show you how brilliant they are. Do you think that Brady will make it to
4: 45? How many more – if I gave you right now, he's 41. If I gave you over, under – two does he play two more years or do you think he goes over two i i will knowing tom i will say over two i didn't think
10: he would get to 40 yeah i mean i i retired at 39 i played and seven, you could feel it oh i knew it yeah. I, there were balls you know that i i when i was 29 i'm i'm, I'm slinging that in there you know i'm getting it in there at 39 I got to put a lark on it to get it there, and all of a sudden the safety's driving, or yes. linebacker's knocking it down. So you lose. I, you know, I lost the fastball. Yeah, I watched Tom. Yeah, I'm on the sideline. You watched him. the ball is still coming out. It's
4: spinning. Do you I mean, see? I mean, like we we had uh, Nickel Roby. You know, like say, oh, you know what? I think I can see that he's gotten he's slowed down. Do you see it? I do. do he, not, I do. I do
10: not see it. And, and I watch every Tom Brady pass this season. Yes, I watch every throw. Uh, there, there wasn't a throw where I could say, oh, boy, I, I think Tom's losing it. I mean, his mobility in the pocket is still there. Yes. The velocity. Now, I, I, there was a time in the season, I'm not, I'm not quite sure of the weeks, I thought he may have been a little bit dinged. A little, yeah. bit, little, little bit hurt. He, it, you know how he just kind of looks a little bit off? Right. He wasn't razor sharp like you normally see, Tom, and progression being there and the you know, the, the, the body position, in the pocket. I thought there was a little run there a couple games where where he wasn't right. And then I'm hearing some rumors down here that, yeah, he was banged up a little bit in a stretch of games this year and missed some practice time. So, you know, the eye in the sky doesn't lie.
4: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think – so I know you love watching quarterback play in general. The draft obviously will be in April, and the big story is going to be Kyler Murray. And I don't know how much time you've gotten to watch him play, but do you think he's a definite first-round pick? How would you break down his game? Um,
10: I I will preface this by saying I haven't studied his tape yet, which I will probably be getting in a couple weeks. Right. But I have watched a number of games on television. The guy is a remarkable athlete. Yes. I mean, just an unbelievable talent. But to me – now again maybe I'm old school and it's going back to you know my rookie year 1973 it's very difficult for runaround quarterbacks to sustain a career in the NFL. Yeah, it's a prototypical. And you'd be
4: concerned about that for Lamar uh, Jackson as well, uh, right? Oh, I'm Obviously. very, I'm
10: very concerned about Lamar Jackson. We saw what you know the San Diego Chargers did. They came up with a you know very creative defense with you know a four man rush, seven defensive backs on the field, and created a lot of problems. And they got pressure on him, and and runaround quarterbacks have to learn to play the game from the pocket. Maybe Lamar will. I I, I can't answer that. Uh, I'm not on that staff and see how he's working and paying the price to be. Great great he's got he's got the god-given tools to be a great quarterback in this league but the next step is to learn how to play from the pocket and read coverage and get the ball out that's how you sustain excellent in the national football league and obviously you know murray has great athletic ability you know, at his size, I don't know. You know, it's Eddie LeBaron kind of size. People go, "Who the hell's Eddie LeBaron?" <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I think he was like a five foot six quarterback back in the day with the Dallas. Or Cowboys. Doug Flutie, a lot or, of people would remember Doug, Doug Flutie. You know, good comparison. That's yeah. That's kind of the the optic everyone gets. They remember Doug Flutie, and you now Doug Flutie is playing in a flag football game Saturday. Uh, it's the Sweat Flag Football Game, and I'll be there. And I played with Doug last year. He dominated. I, I'm, I'm going, Doug. still? He's still I'm, I'm running run around. Doug. Yeah. You could go back in the NFL right now. Maybe I'll sign you for the Philadelphia Soul of the Arena Football League. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get him in a uniform somewhere.
4: Do you think, uh, last question for you, the AAFL and the XFL are both expanding, kind of a minor league for the NFL. Do you think those leagues will be successful? Do you think there's enough demand and interest for football outside of, you know, basically they would be starting when the football season ends here? I think it's going to be difficult, Flay.
10: You know, there's a lot of money. You know, obviously Vince McMahon and XFL, they've raised a lot of money. Bill Poling's a smart guy. You know, they've raised a lot of money to, to, to run their league. They'll be starting next week. But, but I've always – and, and maybe I'll be wrong. The NFL owns – outdoor football yeah you know like the arena league's been around 32 years i'm aware what that doesn't we in the arena league don't compete with the nfl i think when people say they're going to be in the outdoor game you in effect are competing with the nfl and it's very hard to do that but in regards to players there are a lot of players
4: out there in not fact, quite good enough for the nfl but that would be th- pretty, that around, pretty high th- level th- of th- talent th- th- in, in,
10: in fact Two of my Philadelphia Soul players have made it, and they will play next week with the Atlanta team. So there are a lot of players out there. We hold tryout camps for the Arena Football League on a regular basis. 200 people show up every weekend living the dream. I mean, it's amazing the talent that is out there. So from that perspective, I think it's really good because not only for players – You're developing coaches, athletic trainers, general managers, front office people. You're developing more people in the business of football. And I was so sad when NFL Europe closed its doors a few years ago because I thought it was a phenomenal, phenomenal for the game of football and growing the game.
4: Outstanding stuff, Ron Jaworski. We could talk to you for a long time. Let's do it again. I'd love to. I need to get your contact. That was fantastic. Uh, We are going to go to break now. Uh, When we come back, lots more guests coming. I'm not even sure who exactly is going to be on, but we're going to continue to roll. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
4: Maroon 5 bringing us back to the halftime, one of the halftime acts. Uh, We are here in the Geico Outkick Studios, joined now by... Thurman Thomas, a guy who's played in a few Super Bowls over the year. We were just having a conversation. You're a big <laughs> hockey guy. You like to watch the Sabres. I and love to watch the you Sabres. You still live in Buffalo.
17: Still live in Buffalo. And I tell people all the time, you know what? Everybody say, oh, the NFC and the AFC Championship games, those are the best of all sports. I said, no. Give me a, a, a game of hockey, four, best four out of seven.
4: Yeah. Series. Hockey playoffs, unbelievable.
17: Um, unbelievable. It's the time that I actually look forward to it that more than I do the NFL playoffs. Have you
4: ever been on skates? In your life? Yes, once. How'd it go? Not very good. <laughs> yeah.
17: Not very good. Yeah, so now when we get back to Buffalo, I'm saying, you know what? I want to do this. I want to learn. So I'm going to go out. We call it, have a place called the Harbor Center. Yeah. Where we go out, big skating rink, and they got the, the walkers that you can walk yes. while you got the skates. Oh, yeah. You know what? So
4: you don't hit the ice. That's I don't important. care yeah. if
17: I'm thermodynamics. I'm going to learn how to do this, and I'm going to take my time doing it, and I'm going to do the walker.
4: Your kids ever play hockey? No. Yeah. No. I mean, it's funny, my kids, I would have never believed it growing up in Nashville, but the Predators have become so popular. Yep. My kids were interested in learning how to skate, you know, <laughs> so I, got, I didn't know how to put pads on. Right. You know, I'd never done it in my life, so yeah, we got this, all the pads and everything else. Uh, we're talking to Thurman Thomas. Tell me who you're here with right off the top for so we get it uh, take care of.
17: Uh, the Wounded war Amputee football team. Uh, you know, they had a game le- here last night, a uh, flag football game, and just to see those guys was just amazing, and I'm here to help r- raise awareness for the need to provide service dogs for a lot of veterans that come back over from Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a great partnership with them, uh, working with Sierra Delta. You know, they provide uh, the service dogs for our veterans that come back over here. So, uh, uh, so this has been a great organization, and uh, happy to be a part of. Well, it. Well,
4: that's fantastic. I'm uh, incredible work that they do, and I'm glad you're here uh, supporting them and representing them. When uh, I we're about to be joined, I think here shortly potentially by Saquon Barkley, who is uh, got a nice little Rookie of the Year trophy. But I'm <laughs> curious with you, uh, when was the last time that you watched one of the Super Bowls that you were in or part of one of the Super Bowls that you were in?
17: Uh, when we did the Four Falls of Buffalo,
4: yeah, uh, the little documentary yes. on, for ESPN. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. That was the last
17: time that I've actually sat down with a former teammate and watched a Super Bowl, an actual game. You know, so yeah, I don't, I don't. I know the endings are all four of them, so I don't watch them very often.
4: <laughs> uh, when's the last time you saw Scott Norwood? Uh,
17: a year ago? Yeah. Comes down to Jim Kelly's tournament every year. Every now. year. Yeah, yeah. He's, we had to kind of bring him out a little bit, but uh, he's been down there for the past five or six years.
4: It's a good way to finish off Thursday's show here. we got Saquon Barkley sliding in next to you. Saquon, do you remember watching Thurman Thomas at all? Have you seen this guy on YouTube at least?
14: Uh, yes, i <laughs>
17: Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much.
4: Uh, I think if we got his mic uh, turned up, I th- his mic's not on. We got to pop it. Are we good? Maybe I should say it again. Now you got, yeah, to get, yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah, now you can say it again. Uh, I said if yeah. you've gotten to watch uh, Thurman Thomas play before, <laughs> this is awesome. We got Saquon Barkley, Thurman Thomas on to finish the show. What have you seen from this guy?
14: Yeah, um, I got to watch uh, highlight tapes on YouTube and uh, watch his football life. Um, my dad was a big fan of him um, <laughs> uh, uh, back in the day, um, and like I was saying, man, he, he's one of the greats and. Uh, it's an honor, it's a privilege to you know even be sitting here and I'm um, having a conversation about him and uh, you know just it's a crazy year for me and to be able to meet you right now uh, uh, it's, it's it's an honor really. I appreciate, it, I appreciate. Well, it.
4: you've got a nice little hardware here that you're carrying around the Pepsi uh, Rookie of the Year. I'm sure it was a goal of yours to come in and have a performance like you did, but you know, Thurman, how hard it is to come in as a rookie and be as dominant as Saquon. What do you think about his game when you watch it?
17: Absolutely love it. You know, being up in Buffalo and being up in the New York uh, market, you know, I have an opportunity to see him play every single weekend. And, uh, you know, I mean, he led the NFL in yards from scrimmage this year. Yeah. As a rookie, you know. And, uh, and that was something that I, I took a lot of pride in. So having him run the football and catch the football, I mean, that's – That's what you want in a running back. Coming from my day, you know, that's what you want in a running back. And uh, he's been tremendous, man. And and even though it has not been the season that he wanted, he still produced. And and I think if you can have that total uh, athletic ability and and being able to go out there and make plays, perfect fit for the New York Giants.
14: What what would you think I can do better um, from going for my rookie year um, into my, my second year, uh, what can I prove most? Well,
17: I, I think when, when I watch you, there's not a lot to improve, you know, Real, I mean, you do everything very great. You know, I think one of the things that I always talk about being a running back, you know, you can obviously run the football, you can catch the football, but one of the things that I always say when I look at the guy, you know, can you do blitz pickup? That's one of the key factors. If you're going to be a first, second, and third down back, you're going to see a lot of blitzes. And uh, I haven't seen a lot of – I usually watch most of the highlights, and those are all good. I never get to see the entire game. Uh, but uh, if you can do that, pick up the blitz and don't have to have that quarterback or the offensive line worry about you know, that guy that's blitzing, awesome job.
4: Saquon, coming straight from uh, from college, going into the NFL and having the success that you have, was it a bigger jump to you going high school to Penn State or Penn State to the NFL? Which was a more challenging adjustment?
14: Um, Penn State to NFL. Um, definitely I would say Penn State to NFL because, you know, just how talented these guys are. Um, you know, sometimes you go from high school to college and uh, you, you might right from the jump be one of the best players on the team. And it's crazy to, sound, uh, to say, but in some situations it, it, that's how it is. Um, but in NFL you've got to figure it all out. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I know people say the speeds a lot different. Me personally, I don't believe in that statement um, because right. if you run a four three, you run a four three. If you run a four six, you run a four six. But it's what you do in between the lines and with your preparation, your film study that makes you play at a much faster pace. At a faster level, and that's what you gotta do. Now you have more time to watch film, uh, more time to break down film and study your opponents to put you in the best position possible, so you can make plays. It's kind of like playing chess, and um, you know. So I would say definitely the challenges was uh, it was definitely more challenging to go from college to Penn State, um, especially with the process that you have in between. Such a long process to you actually get back on the field um, with all the meetings and talking to coaches and uh, running 40 times and, uh, and doing interviews. i would definitely say that plays in part of it. Too, but uh, I mean, it was fun. It was fun year.
4: Does Eli Manning feel like you have a PhD in football because he's seen so many snaps <laughs> at the quarterback <laughs> position? I mean, there's literally nothing he hasn't seen. You play with the guy Jim Kelly, yeah. who also had basically seen everything. Yeah. What's it like to have somebody you can trust like that? But when you're a rookie stepping in, that has to be a wild experience to go there with a 37 year old guy who's yeah. been in the league a long time.
14: Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I'm over. There, I'm back there and the starting the season. I'm looking, trying to find uh, what's going on, trying to read the safeties. Um, he's like, this guy's coming. Go right there. Go right there. And I'm just like, yes, I got you. <laughs> I'm going to go there. I'm going go there. And I'm, I'm over there thinking, like, how am I going to up the block and make sure he gets some time? Um, he, he, you know, I, I don't think so far um, this year, I don't know. I could be wrong, um, but I don't think he missed – A blitz. Um, He he knew every time. That's what I've heard from people on his
4: offensive line, that he knows exactly what's going to
14: happen. I think he put us in a position, and we, as a running back myself for the offensive line, might have messed it up for him, Um, but he always puts us in the right position. Honestly, I could be wrong with the statement, but Um, From watching film from what I can remember. I don't think he missed a blitz this year, man. He's he's special uh, He's special
4: your offense was special Thurman with Jim Kelly You guys did things that weren't being done by other teams at the time How advanced do you think your schemes and concepts were compared to a lot of the other rest of the NFL teams?
17: Um, You know, we we caught a lot of teams off guard Yeah, we first started running the K gun no huddle three wide receivers one running back, you know We caught a lot of people off guard uh, and really we kind of surprised ourselves at how good we were running the no huddle and with the three wide. Because we didn't, like I said, in my offense, maybe we maybe had, what, anywhere from five to seven running plays that we ran. Yes. And we probably only used three or four of them. You know, so we kind of kept the basic offense. You know, whatever you lined up in, we're going to run it no matter what. I mean, that's just kind of how we win at things. And, uh, and to open it up with the passing game, I mean, you're seeing that right now. I think the closest team today – is probably the Los Angeles Rams because they run a lot of three wide out, one running back uh, type formation, the K-Gun. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah we were kind of before our times. Yeah. But, you know, we, we definitely, as former players, we see some of the type of plays that other teams run and be like, oh, we ran that before. Yeah.
4: yeah Saquon, when you step into that locker room, Eli Manning's famous, right? Everybody knows him. Odell Beckham Jr. is famous did it feel the first time you walked in there a little bit surreal like I can't believe that I'm now on the same level as these guys or did you almost immediately just step in and feel like you'd been there a while
14: um yeah surreal I'll say surreal you know you just take everything in um and it it wasn't even just a coming as a fan perspective um obviously I was a fan of all of all those people's game it was just like taking a deep breath like you (laughs) hear yeah like It's everything you talked about when you were a kid with your family and your parents and uh, all the advice that they gave you and all the hard work that you put in. uh, You're here. Um, You you finally made it. But then you have to step back out of that and be like, so now you're here. Now what? You can you got to do something with it now. So, um, just try to take the approach of asking a lot of questions and learning from those guys, and um, just so I can try to be as successful as I can be and have an impact on the team, um, so I can help the team win games. We're talking to Saquon
4: Barkley and Thurman Thomas. This is
17: this is this is unique here because a lot of guys that come in. I mean, the guy who went to Penn State. I mean, yes. he was all American at Penn State, and then all of a sudden step into the NFL and step into the market of New York.
4: Yes with Eli a lot of media with a lot of, a lot of media
17: with Odell and he has handled himself tremendously I mean mm-hmm. I, I've watched him over the past couple of years in college and, and his first year with the New York the, the interviews the fun playing the game the love of the game but you're a fan does, I, oh huge fan huge fan and, and that's uh, pretty cool for you to hear I imagine yeah, I yeah exactly so I mean much, it's yeah. uh, you know and I know he he got this but, you know, he's striving the rookie to, of the year to get, got to more to get come. the next one. You know, he got more to come. Mm-hmm. More to come.
4: Outstanding stuff. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Quickly, more sore. How much sore are you after an NFL game than a college game?
14: Um, I would say that definitely sore in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Just, just the, hits, the hits are a little bit harder, they're bigger. Um, yeah. grown men, so I would say definitely. Thurman that. Thomas,
4: Saquon Barkley. This is outkick from the Super Bowl.